Hi, my name is Similana and welcome back to the podcast. In this week's discussion, we are going to clearly be tackling a sensitive issue. We're going to be discussing circumcision, and more precisely, I'm going to put forward a moral argument for circumcision. Now, obviously a little bit of background is needed for this discussion. First of all, why I think it's relevant or worthy of discussion, but also the legitimacy of such a project. Why are you presenting a moral argument? And what do you mean by that? So to tackle the first idea, why do I think it's relevant or important to discuss, is because two reasons. One, often I'll get a phone call from someone giving a speech during a bris mila and asking for a way of expressing the bris mila or the value or the importance of a bris from a moral perspective, because the language of morality is the language of religion, and thereby being able to express your values in the language of morality allows it to speak to a wider audience. But there's another dimension. The Derech Eretz, as it's called, or the world that we are in today, is primarily a secular world. Thereby, for ourselves, even though you may perform a circumcision on your child, and you may think it's valuable, or if you do it because of cultural reasons, being able to understand the ethical dimension of why you're doing it would also enrich your performance, meaning it won't be something you're doing because of society or obedience. It will also be involving more of your heart and more of your mind, being able to express or appreciate this dimension. That's why I think it's relevant. But what about the legitimacy of such a discussion? One person might say, well, you only do it because God said so. Giving reasons for it is almost redundant. Now, this is interesting because in a certain respect, it is true. If I didn't believe there was a truth value on the claim of Judaism, well then obviously I wouldn't do it. But discussing ethics and discussing morality in reference to Judaism and why you're doing it isn't redundant because that's what the principle of the religion is. We believe God is good. We believe God is calling us on a moral mission. So to discuss the reasons and how they reflect back to that first principle, that's not redundancy. That's the whole enterprise of Tami HaMitzvahs. This accusation may work when people try and give medical reasons why a circumcision is useful, valuable, correct. I don't think they're going to be very interesting. If there's danger involved, well, that's a different discussion. But reasons why it could be beneficial, I do believe those are fairly redundant. Right, so we've got our reasons for having this discussion on the table why it's relevant, and the legitimacy of such an enterprise. It's also worth mentioning that if you're ever in a discussion, or you have discussions about the legitimacy or the morality of circumcision, something that's often used in a secular context is the word mutilation, to mutilate your child. Now, the reason that language is used is to exhibit a certain response, in a similar way when someone who is proposing animal rights will use the word to murder an animal, because the word murder is, is laden with emotional content. You murder human beings, you don't murder animals, because that's making a joining between what we mean by a human being and what we mean by an animal. So that's not legitimate. In the same way, calling circumcision mutilation is also not legitimate because it trivializes what mutilation is. Around the world, we know examples of different practices where parents mutilate their children that has lasting physical, emotional, and experiential effects and devastates their lives then on. To compare that to the incision of circumcision trivializes the pain and the anguish that people go through throughout the world. It's like comparing it to piercing your child's ears when they're a child. To compare the two, or to draw parallels between them, would be trivializing what people go through. 
The incision of circumcision, by no means nothing, obviously, but at the same time, a far cry of anything else that is often being paralleled with. I thought it was worth putting that on the table. Now, what I'm going to do isn't going to be that revolutionary. What I'm going to do, just to put forward a roadmap, we're going to discuss the symbolic ideas that are inherent in circumcision. How they reflect to you, as the one performing it, or having someone perform it for you, as well as what you're doing for the child, as always from the perspective of Rav Hirsch. And we're going to use language that hopefully makes it relatable. Because like all symbolic acts in Judaism, there is the act itself, and there is the message, the idea, the principle that it's trying to embed. And from a traditional standpoint, they're both essential. By way of a disclaimer, this isn't supposed to be conclusive, and I'm not trying to convince anybody. Obviously, if you're bought into the idea of circumcision from either a cultural reason or that you feel that you're actually embedded in the Jewish narrative and you ascribe a truth value to it, then you're going to be involved with it anyway, and someone who doesn't think it's relevant to them isn't going to be convinced by this reason. My point is only to enrich people's perspective and give it new language in which to appreciate the idea of circumcision. Also, I just want to give once again a quick shout out to the Intentional Jew Podcasting Network, intentionaljew.com. The idea of Judaism is that there are many different voices. Not all of them I necessarily agree with or see eye to eye with, but that is part of the beauty of the conversation. There are many different approaches, and podcasting is a way of different people's voices being able to be heard. So I would encourage you to have a look. So moving on. So let's invest ourselves in the narrative, in the story. You can't extract the story from the practice. It becomes nonsensical then. So what is this story? What is this narrative that surrounds this idea of circumcision for the Jewish people? What we're going to do is we're going to describe the message of circumcision. We're going to describe the underlying philosophy it's giving over. And then we'll describe how, on a practical, everyday standpoint, it has also a moral dimension. So let's begin. The way this commandment is introduced in the Bible, from Rav Hirsch's point of view, encapsulates its entire meaning, but also the entire purpose or mission for the Jewish people. God appears to Avram by the language of Kel Shakai, that's the name that's associated with God when he reveals himself to Avram. Now, from the Jewish standpoint, the names of God illustrate different characteristics in our relationship to him. He appears as Kel Shakai, and to give an outline, this characteristic of God that's being portrayed here, and this word specifically gives over the attribute in relationship to us as the one that said to the universe, die, enough. That set limits, that set boundaries, that told the expansion of the universe and the creative nature of the universe. To this point, but no further, the word itself, die, which means enough, is embedded in that name. Now we get a sort of a echo of that famous phrase of to go in God's way, the Latin of which is imitatio Dei. Hashem commands Avram to conduct yourself before me. To be perfect. Now it doesn't mean perfect that you obtain some sort of godly status. Perfection in this sense, primarily in the negative sense, to be perfect within a structure to be within a structure and fulfill it to its full potential. Now, I granted this sounds slightly abstract, but let's just break it down. Those three stages. The first stage, the name that is used to introduce God in this part of the text. The second stage, we are commanded to act, we are commanded to walk, we are commanded to go and be 
complete. Rav Hirsch tells us that the name Kel Shakai, as I said, is the, the sort of the attribute or the concept of God looking at the universe and saying, die, enough, to this point but no further, illustrates us in our relationship to God as God not being this blind force of nature, not being this concept embedded in the world with an imminence that portrays or imbues God. No, God is the one who stands beyond the universe, beyond existence itself, and created it and said to this point, it also rejects deism in a sense that there was a God that started the clock. No, he started it and he stopped it at a certain point. He made a boundary. That is the attribute that is being illustrated here to introduce this commandment. There are boundaries, there is a structure, and we are asked to walk on that structure and to be complete, to express ourselves within this structure to the fullness of our potential with all the attributes we have, but till a point. That is the message of the bris mila. So we have a beautiful parallel here, the tamimus that we are called upon to have to express ourselves within a structure, but no further, to parallel God when he looked at the universe and said, die. So we have the God that is symbolized here with freedom and intention to ask man to act, to go before him and mirror him in the very same way, to be complete, to be Tomim. Now here's the beautiful parallel to the moral life, because that is the ethical life. When we talk about ethics and we talk about how we ought to act in this world, we mean we go to a point, but we go no further. Or we should express ourselves fully within this framework to do good, but withhold from doing evil. That is morality encapsulated in a commandment, in a side of a covenant with God. But moving it to the actual practical sense, why is it on the body? because that's where morality exists. Morality doesn't exist in the ether. It exists between one human being and another. It is this world focused. Again, we find a broad picture of the Jewish message being illustrated here. Judaism is focused in this world. How we act in this world is central. What you're feeling, what you're hoping for is beautiful, but if it doesn't manifest in how you walk before God, then there is something severely lacking. The very term, avera, which is people use as a description of a sin, really means to sort of overstep. What does that mean? Because you overstep the boundaries or the structure of what should be done. And that is called an avera. So we've got the message of what the bris mila was symbolizing here. And that makes it impactful. And I believe, from the moral standpoint, you're educating yourself. You're educating your family. You're educating your entire community to live this moral life, to subjugate your body to your mind, but not stifle it. A structure requires expression, requires the living out of every positive attribute, but there are boundaries. The parallel to any art, any sport, full expression is obviously needed, but within the structure, within the boundary, to step out of it, you're no longer playing the game. So this illustrates why it's an important principle why it's a morally important principle, but why enacted on someone else? What about the other individual's autonomy? It's your child. Well, the answer I feel in this respect is that what I do for my children and the decisions I make for my children, of course, are binding. Of course, we can't go back on them. 
but I do what I feel is best for my child. And to take my son and put him on this mission, I'm giving purpose to his life. I'm giving moral purpose to his life. I'm putting him in a framework that has moral meaning. I'm embedding my child in a community, in a community and in a purpose that I feel is the most true and the most noble to the best of my ability. He may change his mind later on in life, but as a parent, I feel I've done right by my child. And yes, this goes in a package along with many other decisions that I will make for my son. But just to turn it from purely a defensive stance to also a maybe an aggressive one, we're living in a secular age, like I mentioned at the beginning. That means all of us, both secular and religious. That is the world that we're living in. And this world was created by the Enlightenment, by the scientific revolution. And for that, we're all very grateful for the open-mindedness, the ability to hear other people's perspectives. But also dark sides come along with everything. Postmodern philosophies that push the breaking down of boundaries. Not that these ways of looking at the world don't have value, but they also have their risks. And risks that we have, the young today, being embedded in a sort of meaning crisis, beyond ideas, which within themselves are hugely valuable and needed, but taken as a goal, can lose a person. Egalitarianism, diversity, breaking down of boundaries isn't a goal. It's a means to a goal, but if it's looked at as the goal, you get lost. So in such a world, to take my son and put him on a mission that I feel is the most noble mission a man can take, I am proud of that move. So to sum up, we discussed the validity of such a discussion and the value of such a discussion in today's society. We spoke about how the idea of being able to express ideas in the Derech Eretz of the time is vital both for other people and for ourselves. We spoke about the idea of reasons for mitzvahs in general. And then we discussed the bris milah and how it is introduced by God to Avram. And the fact that it's placed upon our body, that this structure that we are supposed to live our life, that that itself parallels the moral life by way of structure and boundaries that we should live within. And that it is upon our body to remind us on ourselves that this journey is in this world, not in some ethereal world. And like all other things in life, be it values, be it what community we decide to put our child in, we'll all have costs and we'll all have benefits. But as responsible parents and responsible adults for ourselves, we have to choose a direction. We have to choose the most noble, the most true, to the best of our ability. And as responsible parents, we do our best for our children. And in this case, we bring them along for that journey. We give them that structure, that mission, that meaning in this world. One day they may move away from it, but as parents, it is our moral responsibility to do the best by our children. Thank you very much for listening. Once again, this is Simi Lerner. Have a wonderful week.